0: presence of God that's in this house. I want you, if you would, would you stand with me? Awesome job, praise team. You keep playing that organ. You can do that all night long. I feel like I have something that might be able to help us. Acts 26 In verse 22, give honor to pastor, your pastor and his wife, amen, I love them, I know you love them, amen, I was looking at his jacket earlier, oh you're not supposed to, I'm supposed to be super spiritual, I'm sorry. I'm learning. But as I looked at his jacket, I said, I know what kind of jacket that is. Because I've been looking at that same jacket for years. Waiting to be a millionaire so I can get it. But now I'm a pastor. I'm rich. I can do anything. Amen. Give honor to Bishop Mama Wright. I, it's gotta be some kind of record. It's gotta be some kind of record. Bishop's been here one time that I've been here, but I love him. He actually did a pause in Colorado Springs. Yeah, he did. He did. With our district superintendent right down the road. I got to be and listen, folks, when I'm I'm usually one behind the pulpit when I'm here. And I'm preaching, spitting all over the front row. But when I'm at home, it's like Bishop was over the, he was live streaming in because of his shoulders. And But Scott Shelton was there. And I got to meet him for the first time. And, and I was like a blubbering baby on the front row. Prophesy, prophet, prophesy. Amen. So this, this church has had a, a, an effect on me. Uh, and I thank you for that. Acts twenty six twenty two. the Bible says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer, and that He should be the first that should rise from the dead, and and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. Paul, you are crazy. You've lost it. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but... Speak forth the words of truth and soberness For the king knoweth of these things Watch what Paul says For the king He knows about what I'm talking about Before whom also I speak freely For I am persuaded That none of these things are hidden from him For this thing was not done in a corner King Agrippa Believest thou the prophets I know that thou believest then Agrippa said unto Paul almost Look at your neighbor say almost Paul almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian And Paul said I would to God that not only thou but also that all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor and Bernice, the sister, and they sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty. If he had not appealed unto Caesar, we could have let him go, but that Joker appealed to Caesar. This evening, I want to preach to you about the difference between almost and altogether. And I'm going to talk to you about that difference. But I'm going to need your help. Your faith to couple with my faith. To create an atmosphere for the Word can not only be spoken, but that God would confirm His Word with signs following. Would you pray with me right now? Father, Lord, we thank You for the Spirit that is already working in this house. The ministry that has already begun. We thank You for Your majesty. We thank You for Your divine omnipotence. Lord God that is here. You're all powerful, all knowing God. I pray, Lord, that there would be wisdom to, Lord, come and give to us what we need that we might leave with a resolve in our spirits that we would not give up, that we would not surrender, that we would not wave the white flag I pray Father I bind every hindering spirit whether human or demonic, every spirit of infirmity, oh God I plead the blood of Jesus over this service, oh God that every ear would hear and every heart respond to your word and we believe it right now for your perfect will to be done and everybody said in Jesus name Amen. Before you're seated, look at your neighbor. Tell him, almost. Almost. And you may be seated. Paul, the apostle, we know... That he has been changed by the power of God. And he will not cease to tell everybody about what happened to him on the road to Damascus. He was knocked off of his religious high horse and had a revelation. God had to blind his eyes so that he could see. And once he was converted, he ultimately knew that the end game was to go to Rome. Because if you can reach Rome, you can reach the world. God even said it to him, fear not Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And as Paul is now being imprisoned by King Agrippa, and they go to Festus and Paul, standing before them, begins to tell his testimony of what God did and the great miraculous conversion that God did in Paul's life. And I think it was Festus said unto Paul with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside yourself. You you are crazy. He said, no, 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 I'm not crazy. I just want to share with you what has happened To me. And Paul gives, I'm sure, a very eloquent, I know many times. When he told his testimony, it was the same testimony. But can you imagine after about the 500th time of telling it, how eloquent he must have made it, how elaborate he, he would bring out the certain details of the story to convict and convince those that he was... I'm just imagining that he is telling his testimony and it is so powerful, but then they think he's crazy. But they're like, listen, wow, that's a testimony. And he says this, he said, man, Paul, if you would have come on a Thursday, I, you almost, He, he oh, Paul, it sounds so good. And you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Right? Because he said to King Agrippa, he said, You believest thou the prophets, I know you believe. And when he said, You almost persuaded me, he said, I wish to God that you not only were almost, but I I would want you and everybody that hears me today to be all together. Persuaded. See, and Paul makes there to to be a difference between being almost persuaded and altogether persuaded. Did you know, he, he says to King Agrippa, he said, thou believest. King Agrippa, he knew the law of Moses and he was a believer according to Paul. He said, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe, but here's the thing. You can be a believer but not be altogether persuaded. Let me say it like this. You can be present but not persuaded. So what is the difference between almost he's like Paul your testimony it almost got me this close to making a step this close to letting God change me this close almost but i ask you tonight what is the difference between almost and altogether it's not belief it's not being present the difference between almost and being altogether persuaded is simply A plan B. You should be running the aisles by now because that's as good as it's going to get. A plan B is the only thing that separates a person from being almost persuaded to being altogether persuaded. See if you're a history buff like I am you may know of the story I'm about to tell and I'm pretty sure this is Antioch and you've had somebody preach this story that I'm about to share with you but if you've heard it, just listen but you may have heard the story of Hernan Cortes that Spanish conquistador who led an expedition that caused the fall of the Aztec Empire It was in the year 1519 that Hernan Cortez arrived in the new world with 600 men. And upon arrival, made history by destroying his ships. Burn the ships, he commanded, so that his men would have to conquer or die. Basically, He created a point of no return for himself and his men. And he sent a clear message to his men that there is no turning back. There is no plan B. There are no other options but victory. So, two years later, he succeeded with only 600 men in his conquest of the Aztec Empire. But as a pastor myself, And as God's people, as we go into new territories facing new seasons, territories that are unknown, And potentially hazardous, as did Cortez. We need to ensure to ourselves and to those we are leading that there is no turning back. We need to be certain that there is no off ramp or fallback plan that we have to use. We cannot use, listen, we can use to avoid no fallback plans that we can use to avoid the challenges of our new season. We need to burn. The ships. Because sometimes the reasons why we cannot move forward is because we're still tied to a plan B if it doesn't work like we think that it should. But if you burn the ships... There's no other options but to move forward. There's no other options, so you have to endure the pain. There is no other option, so you do have to weather the storm because there's no ships to turn back to. So I'm telling you tonight, the only way that we're going to navigate these troubled seas ahead is to make sure that we have nothing to go back to, but we have to win. We have to have God. We have... Now, I thought you'd be shouting by now, but hear me. This is exactly what Paul did while he was altogether persuaded. Notice what they said about Paul. They said, we might have set him at liberty if he had not appealed to Caesar. When Paul made his appeal to Caesar in Acts 25 and 11, he says, for if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, he said, I refuse not to die. He said, if I did anything wrong, I'll die right now. Bet. I'll die right now. If I've done anything wrong. But if there be none of these things whereof they accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. He said, I appeal to Caesar. And that may not seem like a powerful statement, but it was a very powerful statement. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Paul, okay. Unto Caesar shalt thou go. So by appealing to Caesar. He was appealing directly for a trial before the imperial court, which was the right of every Roman citizen, which he was. And he would be free, and he would free himself from the jurisdiction of every lower and lesser court by appealing to Caesar. But in doing so, he blocked every exit ramp to the will of God in his life. And there would be no plan B, there would be no alternate routes, there was no contingency. So quite literally, he freed himself from the temporal court of man and he tied himself eternally to the will of God. No matter the pain, no matter the storms that would come. No, almost, but he was altogether persuaded about the will of God. He said, I know Rome is the will of God, so I don't want to give myself a way out when things get difficult. I don't want to give myself a way out if I don't know how to handle the pain, or the rejection. He said, I appeal to Caesar. He was saying, I appeal to the highest court so no lesser court can set me free from the will of God in my life. That day, he could have been set free from the will of God. But he said no. Paul knew himself too well. He knew he was going to go through all kinds of stuff. So before he went through it, he made sure there was no way out except the will of God. Why do you think Paul was able to pin in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23-28 in the NLT he said of this I've worked harder, I've been put in prison more often been whipped times without number, faced death again and again, he said five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, what they did to Jesus once on that whipping post they did to Paul five times he said three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea he said I have traveled on many long journeys, I've faced danger from rivers and robbers I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well from the Gentiles he said I have faced dangers in the city and I've faced dangers in the desert, I've been on the seas I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not, I have worked hard and long enduring many sleepless nights I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm then besides all this I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches how Paul did you go through all that? how did you endure Five times what Jesus went through once. How were you stoned? Should have been dead, but still walk on. I'm here to tell you the reason Paul couldn't make it through all that is because he didn't have any other option. He done he done said, no, I appeal for the will of God in my life. He said, don't give me any way out. I don't want any escape. I don't want to be set free. That's why he said, I wish you were altogether persuaded as I am except these bonds. But that's not how it works, Paul. It's the bonds that keep you in the will of God. Because sometimes I realize the reason why God doesn't answer our prayers sometimes is because if He answered our prayer, we, it would sever the connection for our relationship. There's some prayers. I know one mother one time she was praying for her baby that was blind and I felt like we were having one miracle after the other. God was doing miracles like this morning. And then we came to this mother praying for her son that was blind. And it's like God just stopped doing miracles all of a sudden. And I felt like God said no. Because if I heal him I'll lose her. I wish you were altogether persuaded about the will of God without these bonds. But without those bonds... Things would get tough. And if you've got a plan B, you'll take that exit. When the road gets too long, you'll take that exit. You'll pull off because you're so tired. You're so weary. Pastor, how do you make it through all that you make it through? How do you get through the sleepless nights like Paul talked about? He said, you know what? I've been through all of it. And he said, I have endured many how many sleepless nights. How do you do it? How do you get through the rejection? How do you get stoned and left for dead? How do you go through that travel? such a long weary road how do you do it Paul it's the bonds he was tied to the will of God because he knew himself he didn't have to appeal to Caesar it's like Peter when all the other disciples the teaching got too tough and in John 6 the disciples began to walk away and Jesus turned to the rest of the disciples that were there. He said, will you leave me also? And Peter, Peter's like, where, where, where else are we going to go? They left their boats a long time ago. They said, where else are we going to go? You're the you alone have the words of eternal. He said, "We burned those bridges and we've taken care of those boats long ago. So it doesn't matter how tough it gets. Even if
1: I fail, there's no other option. Even if." I-
0: I'm here to tell somebody tonight, you've got to burn some boats. You've got a plan B. But your plan B is going to keep you from the
1: will of God. Things are going to get tough, and you're going to sell.
0: Oh, Oh, Jesus. Hear me now. Where else am I going to go? Because here's the deal. Paul begins to sail now. He's on his way to Rome. And he gets in the midst of a storm. And while he's in the midst of that storm, an angel comes and sits alongside him. And that angel's like, Don't worry about it, Paul. You're going to Rome. You must be brought before Caesar. Okay. And he said, Oh, yeah. Don't worry. No man's going to lose his life. The boat's not going to make it. Nobody's going to die. So he comes upstairs. He tells everybody, everybody, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. Nobody's going to lose their life. Ship's not going to make it. But we're going to be all right. That's like me saying, don't worry. Everybody's going to make it home tonight. Car's not going to make it. So watch what they do. They do the logical thing. (laughs) He said, now I exhort you to be of good cheer. He said, they're going through a storm. He said, everybody, be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. An angel told me. Now, the Bible said in verse 30, Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. Sounds like the natural progression, right? It's like, y'all are going to make it. The ship's going down. And the Bible says that they tried to abandon ship by acting like they were going to go let some anchors out. And they're at the front of the boat. They're letting the Paul's like, "What are you all doing?" "Oh, we're we're just letting the anchors down." But the Bible said already that they had already put the anchors down. Verse 29 says, "Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for day." They had enough of the storm, so they put their anchors down and began to pray for morning. So the anchors are already down, so they're out the front of the boat, faking it. They're ready to abandon ship. What are you doing over there? Oh, no, we're just letting the anchors down. I'd be up there with them. So would you. But watch this. Says, then the sailors tried to abandon the ship They lowered the lifeboat As they, though they were going to put out anchors From the front of the ship But Paul Said to the commanding officer and the soldiers You will all die Unless the sailors stay aboard Wait a minute Paul, you just prophesied And the angel just told you, this ship is going down. And now we try to leave the ship because it's about to go down. And now we can't leave because you say, if we leave, we're going to die. Because this is God speaking to His people that you must not abort the process of brokenness because in doing so, you will forfeit the prophetic. There is a will of God. You are going to Rome. You are going to reach the world. But if you try to abort the process, you forfeit the prophetic. You understand? Because here's the deal. The reason why they feared and put down anchors is because they feared falling on the rocks. Why is it that we fear brokenness? That's why they put their anchors down and said I'm not moving forward. I'm not doing anymore. I'm not I've already given. I've already prayed. And they put their anchors down. Because they were afraid to fall on the rocks. But the fact is, the reason when they were they were about to abandon ship, the reason why they had the idea to abandon ship, I think is because there was a lifeboat attached to the ship. Let me say it like this. They had a plan B. They had lifeboats that they said, If this don't work, I'm getting in that. And I believe many times in our walk with God on the way to the will of God, going through God's process where there's pain. Yes, there is brokenness at times. But hear me, many times when we've got plan B's attached to our faith, when things get difficult, we say, if this don't work and I don't like this, I'm going to get in that. So what i seen in the Spirit when I was praying for you yesterday afternoon, I saw this big old ship move Moving forward in spite of a storm. But then I saw all these little lifeboats. That were attached. And it was like this big boat. Was trying to head upstream against the cultural current. And it was trying to move forward. But as it was trying to move forward. There was so much drag being created by. Buy the lifeboats, the plan B's, your alternate plans. If the will of God don't work out, I'll just get this career. I'll just get another degree. I don't know what your lifeboat is. But if my marriage don't work, I'll just get rid of her and get another. But that don't work in the will of There is no plan B. You've got to say, listen, I've got to sever the
1: lifeboat.
0: Because I know I'm not, I haven't been pastoring that long, but I know enough that there are people that come and go and they come here, but they say, listen, if things get too tough here and I don't like the teaching up there, I'll just, I got a plan B but you will never endure. You will never get past difficult times and the rough roads if you don't have your mind made up, if you don't burn the boats, if you don't get rid of your plan B and your alternatives. Hey, somebody, you've got to get persuaded that there is one Lord, one I Listen, I am convinced 100% that the reason why people struggle unsuccessfully to move forward is because we're not persuaded. We're almost. We're believers. We're present, but we're not persuaded. And listen, we've got all kinds of things just in case God don't show up. We got all kinds of stuff in our life that if God, listen, that's when you begin to live in miracle territory, that if God don't show up, it's going to be a disaster. And when you position yourself like that, you have no other option but to believe God. But I'm telling you, especially in the North American Church, we have all kinds of plan B's. This church don't work out. there's another one thirty minutes down the road. This church don't work if this so what I'm preaching tonight is i'm I'm saying that you can't be almost persuaded because a plan B is the only thing that separates almost from altogether. And I see many of us, we're in the right boat. But guess what? While we're in that right boat, we got a lifeboat just off to the side. And things get too tough. I'll just get a few extra hours and work a few more and I'll miss a couple services. Right? If things don't work out, well, I'll just just—I'll go... I'll apply to some college away from here. But folks, I can't I can't stress it enough that what I saw in the spirit was a church trying to move forward. But lifeboats. Lifeboats. I knew one lady. She was a she was a she'd fly down during the winter. She lived in Iowa. She had a place in Phoenix. And every time things got difficult, when God really started dealing with who she was, her character, trying to conform her from glory to glory, every time it happened, she would up and move to her winter home. God would start to deal with her down there. Because I, I, I was evangelist. I'd go and preach for the church that she went to. And I'd watch God start to deal with her. But guess what? She had a plan B. She'd move. But she stayed. Listen, when we started, we, did, we actually started doing foster care. And we went through some foster training. And I'm telling you what, that helped me so much, pastoring people. Because like I was fostering somebody else's kids. But the training was, it had this certain training where it talked about there's a difference between chronological age and developmental age. right? And I realized, I went to a church that had been established 50 years, and I just assumed that we had a lot of 50-year-old saints. But here's the deal, that you've got to understand, there's a difference between chronological age and Christianity. In a chronological age, because here's what they taught us: you can have a kid that is 10 years old chronologically, but he might be four years old developmentally. So you cannot get frustrated when he's a fo- when he's four developmentally, but he's not doing the things 10 years old boys should be doing. Right? Because he should be brushing his teeth, but developmentally. So there is a difference. And they said you can't get frustrated with the difference. So when I get around people, I'm getting, I'm seeing that they, they've been in church for 40 years, but they ain't 40 years old in the faith. They might be 40 years old chronologically, but they are like a four-year-old. So sometimes we get to these difficult places where God is trying to mature us. He's trying to take us to the next level of maturity and being perfected in Him. But when things got tough, this lady, every time she came to that moment of growth, she had a plan B. And I felt it one time come on me. I felt it come on me. I almost—I didn't know if it was the Holy Spirit or just... I was getting mad I said I looked at her right and I said You need to cut the lifeboats And I'm telling you It struck her so deep She went and sold her winter home in Phoenix And right now As far as I know She is growing like she's never grown before You want to know why? she has no other options but to grow. She has no other options but to mature. She has no other options but to get closer to Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying is, you might call it blessing, but I can call it lifeboats. Be very careful. What you call blessing and what I call a lifeboat. Because if you run to it when things get difficult. I remember when me and my wife got married. I remembered I couldn't pay my bills sometimes. So instead of going to God. Mom. Mom. Loved ones can be lifeboats. My mom was my water pot that I ran to when my... When my world ran dry, and the Lord spoke oh God, I didn't I didn't plan on getting into all this. And my, my the Lord spoke to my mom and said, Quit saving him. Because if you keep saving him, I can't. So I'm here to tell you that there came a point in time that I love my mom, we're still connected, but not like that, where I would run to her and I would go to her when things got tough and things got bad. So what I'm saying is what kind of lifeboats are attached to your faith? What's your plan B if your first degree don't work out? What's your plan B if your plans don't make sense and don't work? What's your plan B? Because I remember, listen, I remember when I got to Colorado Springs, I hope this is okay. Because I got to Colorado Springs. And guess what? I dropped out of high school. Mom made me go back. (laughs) And I went, you know, when you're filling out like an application or whatever, you got, okay, you graduated from high school two years, four years, or some college. I I always got to check the some college. Because I went and was like, you know, this ain't really for me. I want to preach. So I went right into preaching. So I don't have, I, I barely got a diploma. I don't have a degree. I worked in a warehouse for a little bit, moving car parts. And then for the last 10 years, I don't have a work history. And I got to Colorado Springs, and I was like, man, I'm here now. I started telling all the preachers, no, I can't really come. I'm pastoring now. And I, I, it scared me to death when this settled in. I'm telling you, it scared me to death. I thought, what if this don't work? What? No, no. what if this don't work? I don't have a degree to fall back on. I don't, I don't have a work history that says, you know, I've got this type of know-how and this error. I, I, I don't have any of that. And it scared me to death. What if this don't work? I have nothing else to fall back on. And I felt like the Lord said, Ryan, that's the reason why you're here. That's why it has to work because you have nothing else. And I'm here to tell you, you want to know how to move forward is to cut the lifeboats. Don't have anything else to fall back on but Jesus. And when you got that, it'll do something in your mind that I don't have a plan B. I burned the boats. My goodness. In the name of Jesus, somebody, I want you to close your eyes right now, and I want you to see what's my life, phone, What do I run to when things get difficult? What kind of what kind of mentality do I hide in when things get tough? <laughs> Hear me, I'm not saying don't get a degree I'm not saying don't have a job I'm not saying all that But what I am saying Where are you putting your faith? Because hear me Remember the Bible said that they feared being broken so they put their anchors down and they were now stuck They couldn't move forward But do you realize That he said except you abide in the ship You will all da- die You will all die unless the sailors stay aboard All 276 passengers will die Unless all of you stay on board He said this, verse 32, So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. That's how they made it to Rome. They cut the lifeboats. I'm not saying that you're not a powerful people. I'm not saying you haven't given. I'm not saying that you haven't sacrificed. But what I am saying, all of that could be done with lifeboats. But where you're going now and where you're going next, you can't take lifeboats with you. Because if you have the option, you'll use the option. But if you have no other option, That's what causes you to be persuaded. And they feared falling on the rocks. But you hear me. The Bible then says in Acts 27 and 44. At the end and the rest. Some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Can I tell you. The very thing that they feared. Became the very thing that saved their lives. They feared being broken, but brokenness... Instead of rejecting it, they embraced it. And as they embraced it, it became the same thing that gave them enough buoyancy to get them where they needed to be. So if you can embrace brokenness, it will create a spiritual buoyancy to keep your head above water long enough to get you where you need to be. So I'm talking to every young person. I'm talking to every elder. I'm saying don't you let those plan B's and those lifeboats that are beside your faith, don't let them be an option. Out of the will of God in your life. If preaching don't work. I'll just be this. I'll just do that. If you've got that. That way out. Now you bet, somebody better come up here and help me with music. Because I'm almost done here. Genesis, it's a look at an old, familiar story. Genesis 22 and 9, when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his only son. There was no plan B for for Abraham. But the Bible says in Genesis 22 and 9, And when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. What makes up the difference between almost and altogether? It's an altar. It's what happens at an altar. But we know the story. Abraham's asked to give up his only begotten son Isaac. And if he gives him up, there's, there's no plan B. But Abraham takes Isaac, and we know the story. He's going to take him up. He's going to sacrifice him. And many times when we view that story, When we view that story, it says, Then he tied his son Isaac. He laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abram, Abram. Yes, Abram replied, Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know. That you truly fear God and you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. But many times when we view this story, we see an elderly gentleman, of course. And a lot of times when we read it, we talk about it, we see him kind of leading like a five year old boy. Come on, son. And we think this little boy that had no choice, this little five-year-old boy that just believing his daddy willingly follows him to his seeming death. But according to chronological studies, you'll find out Abraham was about 120. But Isaac was somewhere around the age of anywhere from 37 to thirty years of age that means he was a crone man and I don't care how tough that 120 year old was I don't care what 120 year old is in this house I can take you I've been lifting weights if you can't tell You thought pastoring did that to me. (laughs) But can you imagine? You've got to shift your paradigm. It was a little old man. And a grown man. He could have overpowered his father's will at any moment. He could have said, no, I'm not going through with it. But the fact is, for him to be that age and his father be that old, that means he was a willing sacrifice. He said, Father, I don't understand it all, but I will follow your will. And he willingly laid that on that altar. But then let me ask you the question. If he was willing, and he said, Lord, Father, Whatever you want, I'll lay down my life for your will. He was willing, yes, but he knew himself enough. Because if he was willing, then why does the Bible say he had to be tied? Then he tied his son. But wait, he was willing. Why did he have to be tied? Because Isaac knew enough. Come here. You're going to be Abraham. I can imagine the conversation going like this. Dad, I don't understand everything. But I trust your will and God's will that I'll lay my life down. But I know it myself enough. I know that I'm willing right now have God's will done in my life. I'm willing right now, but I don't know how I'm going to respond when you raise that knife. I don't know how I'm going to respond when things get difficult. So Father, tie my
1: hands. Tie me, Dad, to this
0: altar. Because I may be willing right now, but tie me to this altar. Because I might look for a way out when things get tough. Hear me, young people. You want to be successful in walking with God? Look at this rope. Because you may be willing at youth service and youth revival. You may be willing when the music's playing. You may be willing when everything seems oh oh, so well. But how are you going to respond when you're rejected? How are you going to respond when you're mistreated and people relieve your life? How are you going to respond when we lose the baby? How are we going to respond when the doctor says there's no hope? That's why Isaac said, Yes, I'm willing now, but I don't know how. I'm going to respond. So tie me to this altar, Father. So that I will not have a way out. I'm telling somebody what you need to do tonight. It's going to take more than willingness tonight. It's going to take a commitment to the altar it's going to take you coming to this altar and saying God I don't want a way out of the will of God I appeal to Caesar I'm burning the boats there is no other options for my life that's what I want tonight so I want you right now I want you to come and join me at this altar join my friend at this altar and say God I know I'm willing now
1: but commit to this altar. Say, Father, tie me to this altar. I want to be persuaded. God, I'm persuaded about you, but I'm not so persuaded about me. Tie me to this altar. Make a commitment like never before. God, I don't want the easy way out. God, I don't want the easy way out.
0: Come on, what happens when he raises the knife? What happens when it
1: looks like there's no way? God can do it.
0: Come on, burn those boats.
1: Cut the ropes of those lifeboats. Either you're called of God or not, answer that call. Yes.
0: Your kids slip off in your lifeboat. Come on, mom and dad, don't let your children
1: slip away through your lifeboats. It's time to let go.
0: Come on, I see it, Antioch. I, I see it. One lifeboat after another.
1: Turn it loose. Si le mon dololo lobo sataye Si reba.
0: Commit yourself to this altar. Commit yourself to prayer like never before. No
1: plan B. No exit route. This is what I want. This is who I am.
0: Come on, Father, what would you ask of us tonight? What would the Father ask of you tonight? Make a commitment. Come on, I feel like God's trying to knit this church together like never before. I want you to reach over to your neighbor right now. And I want you to pray, God, keep them.
2: Tie them to the altar.
0: That's it. That's it. Don't leave anybody alone.
1: you walk away don't you leave your ministry behind come on somebody's getting persuaded somebody's getting all together take that step this is what I'm called to do This is who I am. This is where I belong. Come on, this is where you belong.
0: I'm telling you there's direction in this house right now somebody you need direction for your life it's here right now you need an answer from God what do you want me to do it's here in this house cause some of you pray God whatever you want Whatever you want me to do. pray let them see let them see clearly let them see clearly what is your will let them know without a shadow of doubt what is your will come on don't wait for somebody to come give you a word because if you get a word from somebody if it don't go like you think it should you can blame them but what you need to do is get a word from God directly right now And then you can receive confirmation or correction. Come on, there are whole families that are standing in the gap right now. Whole families that are standing in the gap right now. That mom, dad, you need to cut the lifeboats. Your kids depend upon it. o sotoro Listen, I don't know how how this is going to work. But I've got this rope right here and I just... I know that there's willing hearts in this house. Willing hearts that want the will of God. But can I tell you, willingness will only take you so far. But commitment will take you Where willingness is afraid to go. So I want somebody. I don't know who it is. But you want to commit to the will of God in your life. The calling of God on your life. I want you to just come grab one side of this rope. I want you to just get a hold of this rope I don't know how we can do everybody but I want you to get a hold of this and say God I may be willing right now but let there be a commitment in me
1: I lose him now I loose him now I release the call of God in this house. Answer the call. That commitment to pray. That commitment to the Word. Come on, get in as close as you can. to your God is doing something in you. Jesus. Come on, that's it. No matter what, the will of God. No matter what. No matter what, revival. No matter what, a move of God. No matter what. Now, if you can't get a hold of the rope, get a hold of somebody. Get in as close as you can. abide in the ship
0: somebody say yes to the call of God Somebody say, yes, I'll be a preacher. Yes, I'll be a witness. Yes, I'll be an intercessor. Yes. come on I feel like God is settling something God is settling something in you God is settling something in your family this is it this is where we belong this is it
1: this is what we believe this is it
0: Listen, listen, listen just for a moment. That same boat that i seen in prayer yesterday, it's like I'm looking at it right now and it's the reason why everything had been on pause because this boat, there's, it's like the, the river is too narrow. And so God had to remove some of these things from your life so you can make it through the narrow passage of calling so you can make it through the narrow passage of God's will for your life all the things that have been attached to you could not go with you where you are going so sometimes when it feels like you're alone it's because others are not going where you are going so what is it that God is detaching from your life what extra things that have been attached to you, wasting time, whatever it is, those lifeboats let them fall to the side. We don't have time. We don't have time. The world needs you to answer that calling, the world needs you to be that witness. So listen, here's what I'm going to have you do. The same rope you now hold is the rope that holds your lifeboat attached to you. So when you let go of that rope in a second, we're all going to do it together, when we let go of that rope, let it be symbolic of letting go of things that don't matter, things that are extra The lifeboats, let it be. And I'm telling you, there is going to come a spirit of worship and that heavy burden that you've been dragging all these lifeboats, Antioch. All these plan B's, just in case the plan of God doesn't work. There is going to be such a spirit of worship because the weariness is going to leave Watch this. Watch it. Are you ready? When you drop it, the spirit of worship is going to be released in this house. And when it does, there's going to come strength back to you to move forward. You ready? Let it go. Worship.
1: So, hey-